Hey, I'm MJ Taller, also known as a black wine guy. I went from being a totally obsessed wine newbie to becoming the world's first ever African-American fine and rare wine auctioneer in less than three years. In this show, I'll be talking to the mavericks, the philosophers, the players, and the deep thinkers who inhabit the world of wine. They'll share their experiences on how they made it, but more importantly, how they failed and got back up again. So grab a glass and let's get to it. This is the Black Wine Guy Experience. Hey everybody, what's up? It's your boy MJ. Welcome to the Black Wine Guy Experience. My guest today is a veteran of the luxury goods industry and owner of Domaine de Salier Au Moins, Philippe Pascal. Uh, Philippe served as CEO of Veuve Clicquot for 20 years, and he would later serve as the CEO of the entire LVMH group. Uh, during that time, he went on to found the LVMH watches and jewelry division, and he would later become an advisor to the LVMH chairman Bernard Arnault. In 2004, Philippe and his wife Catherine purchased the historic Domaine de Salier au moins in the Côte de Chalonnais to highlight and lead the region's renaissance. Welcome, Philippe. Nice to be here. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, you know, it's, uh, what's important is not what you have done, it's what you're going to do. So, uh, you know, to me, uh, the, the most exciting thing is what's expecting me tomorrow. And uh, regardless of what I've done or what I've screwed up, Th that's see now we got to end the podcast after two minutes that was like that's like the best ending but we're just getting started so um tell everybody about the wines that we're drinking today the wines you brought into uh, new york city with you so you know it's it's always moving when you bring your wine to uh to a place like new york or wherever in the world you're bringing like you're bringing your child mm -hmm. you're always hesitant about which one you're going to show what are you going to tell about that one versus the other one? But here we are, uh, I brought you four, four different wines. And the first wine we are, we are tasting is coming from a rather um, less known appellation, which mm -hmm. is called Montagny. Mm -hmm. And literally, Montagny means on the mountain. Mm -hmm. It's a high, high spot of uh, southern Burgundy. And it has a particular uh, story, this one. These vines were planted in 1939. Oh, so 1939, we are in the middle of World War II. I was saying, in they planted vines during World War II. Exactly. And Montagny was occupied by the German army at the time. Physically, the Montagny was part of the border between Germ uh, f occupied France and free France. Okay. But, but it was literally on the border. Mm -hmm. And you can imagine the, 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 the guys at the time, the, the vignerons, the, the vintners there, uh, they were struggling a bit uh, with the uh, occupant, and <laughs> and they had to make that decision of planting for a future they didn't know. Mm. So every time I'm sipping that wine uh, with that vineyard planted in 1939, I'll always think about the vision that that guy had when he planted. He could not have a vision because that was war. Mm -hmm. So I think he planted for hope, and 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 uh, that that vine is now going deep, deep in the limestone, very deep because it's a very old vine. Um, actually, yes, it's a 60 years old vine. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and you drink memory. 
uh, you smell memory and you know we we thought about those young we were talking a bit about world war one before mm -hmm. uh, world war two there was a, a bit of the same silliness and these guys uh, suffered a bit and that vision and i hope and today we are drinking their hope of the time that's amazing that is so amazing <coughs> that's kind of why i love this uh industry uh just wine uh the stories it, it's about like and a story like that i mean like you said that was a very bleak time it was not looking good no and and to you know to plant vines that could have got ripped up to put Riesling in. <laughs> um, so this is Chardonnay. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. It's Chardonnay. But Chardonnay. Like, can you imagine? <laughs> but um, this is great, deep Chardonnay, and uh, oh yeah, that's damn good. Yeah, it's uh, it 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 has an incredible minerality uh, and it's vibrant acidity. Mm -hmm. And this is the, the you know when when. Uh, the, the vine is able to go deep, deep in the st in the limestone because mm -hmm. this is a very this is a very rocky uh, areas. This is where it's feeding with uh, exceptional minerals and, and and where you get what you call that minerality, yeah. which you're in Montagny, which is rather unknown. But if you taste it blind, I mean, it's coming so close to the great white Burgundies from very well known areas. Where I brought you another wine mm -hmm. coming from Puligny, which is highly recognized. Uh, but these areas, it's and it's what I like in my in my, in my mission mm -hmm. as a as a vintner is also to discover and promote areas which are a little bit less known. It's a part of the challenge to make this wine more known in America and elsewhere as well. As well. Ah. Well, let's start at the beginning. Um, where are you from in France? Where Where are you from? I was not born in a wine county. Okay. <laughs> I was born in an industrial area, which okay. is near Lyon. Okay. But I married a girl from Burgundy. Okay. That's how I finally got there. Okay. So you're from the industrial area um, near Lyon. Um, so what was what was your what what, you, what did your father do? What did your parents do for? Because I actually I'm like, okay. did your parent did both your parents work or just your father work? Because it was a different time. Yeah, my father was in the textile industry okay. in, a, in a company which uh, suffered a bit, went bankrupt. So it was that whole industry uh, near uh, Lyon Saint Etienne was either the steel industry or the textile, and those were industries which uh, suffered a lot. But you know, my parents were very nice parents. Mm -hmm. They uh, educated us well. They kicked our ass to make sure we were doing well at school and. Uh, and they teach us uh, a bit about wine. But at the time when we were kids, you know, we were um, drink at home, we were drinking regular wine. And I remember that when I was, I think it, when, I, when I was 10, I got my first sip of wine blended with wa water. Uh, and this was a tradition on a Sunday. Mm -hmm. we, if, if we behaved well during the week, if we did well at school, uh, we would have uh, that, that blend of one-tenth of red wine, nine-tenths of water, <laughs> and uh, we would feel, wow, like being grown up at the table on the Sunday, drinking that stuff. Yeah. And I think, frankly, for that wine, it was better to drink it with water. <laughs> <laughs> so you said we. How many uh, siblings do you have? Uh, we are four. We were four. It was four. We are four. Okay. And where did you fall? Are you the youngest, the oldest? No, in I'm the, the oldest one. The, the one with the big responsibility. <laughs> 
Yeah, so... And uh, it, le- it never leaves you. You know, you keep that all your life long. Yeah. Um, that's... I, I'm the youngest, uh, so... L- lucky you. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was kind of easy. There was only two of us, but it was like, it was just... It was kind of easy. It was so easy to get my older sister in trouble when I was a kid. Yeah. yeah just, so just, I know. Just lying. I know the feeling. Yeah, I'm sure you do. <laughs> yeah, but I had three behind me. Okay, so... How many was it? Was it all boys, th- girls? How many? What's Three the boys, one girl. And where was where was your sister in between? At the end. Oh, so, so oh, she had it easy. I mean, that was a daddy's dream, little girl. A dream of her life. You yeah, <laughs> she, yeah. She's still still the case. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, sixty years later, it's still the case. So. Yeah, that's so funny. And like, what's the age difference? Because I was, I always love like. These stories coming up about like sixteen. Sixteen. Okay. So she's sixteen. How and then your your second youngest brother two. Uh, two. two. Okay. Okay. So y'all fought a lot. My? The junior brother Yeah, of course. We fought <laughs> a lot. Yeah. We we stopped. We stopped fighting. Well, yeah, actually someone told me But a story. Like it wasn't until someone picked on their brother then they stopped fighting. Like they used to fight each other and then someone picked on the brother yeah, and, yeah. and they're like, no, 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 no. But no, 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 like no. Into, I think it, it's a kind of testosterone uh, competition. Yeah, you know where, where we were young. I mean, grown-up boys. The the fights were severe, <laughs> uh, very severe. I mean, we it was it was tough, violent. But then we stopped. Finally, we 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 don't fight any longer. Yeah. We we enjoy each other. <laughs> That's fantastic. And so um, let's talk a little bit about uh, those Sunday dinners because... Lunch. The, the lunch. So it's lunch. Yeah, lunch. Okay. But how long does lunch go? Um, so first church Yep. in the morning. Okay. And we better be on time and behave. And <laughs> and then uh, and then dinner uh, with the grandparents. Okay. Always the grandparents were invited uh, for for Sunday for Sunday lunch, and uh, you know that was um, the the kids at the table. I mean, it was great because everyone was at the table. However, the kids, in general, were not allowed to talk. Mm. Uh, That's tough. We are in France in the <laughs> in the sixties. We listen and we ask for permission to talk. Mum, can I say something? No. <laughs> Dad, uh, no, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing it too far. My, my parents were, were great parents, but this was the, the discipline at the time. Yeah, and finally, we made it. <laughs> <laughs> Now I can't imagine today me saying to my grandchildren, "Don't talk at the table." Yeah, yeah. Uh, I ask for permission for talking. <laughs> <laughs> Now, that's amazing, and so. Um, For people who don't know, because I, I have all kinds of listeners, where is like Lyon in France? Because you said it's not wine country. No, uh, I mean Lyon is south of Beaujolais. If okay. we took wine, okay, uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, Lyon is south of Beaujolais, but I was near Lyon in, in, in I mean, 50 miles from Li- from Lyon. So uh, Lyon is the center of uh, France, and it used to be uh, the capital of France during the Roman occupation. Okay. It was La Capitale des Gaules. Yes. Uh, okay. Though, so it's a very historical city, and uh, it's a beautiful city, which which used to be a strategic uh, place for the ro- during the the Roman times. Okay. Roman times is 2,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. Amazing, and so 
there's there like Roman ruins and yeah, yeah. there are Roman ruins and and uh, to make the link with the wine, mm -hmm. Lyon is near the Rhone River and the Rhone River comes from the Mediterranean. Okay, and and up north you go to Lyon and further north you will go to to Geneva. Okay, or uh, you take the other way, which is the Saone River, going to Chalon and to Burgundy. So that river, the Rhone, was very important because mm -hmm. the Roman were using the river to bring upstream the wine culture. So, uh, you know, boats, Roman boats would go up the Rhone and uh, bring uh, equipment to make wines. Oh, wow. And we'll take, we'll plant, we'll get wine planted mm -hmm. by, by the Gaulois, mm -hmm. by the French. The, the local French, very wi very wild people that they <laughs> manage, they try to, to manage. And, and then the wine was brought down the river um, to the Mediterranean uh, cities. Uh, but the Roman think, I mean, they went through that up to Lyon and even no more no northern Lyon with the river. And that river played a role in the introduction of wine, of vine cultivation. Uh, within France. Amazing, amazing. <coughs> and um, you're growing up there, and uh, you said your parents made sure that you, you know, they, they wanted you to be good students, so they made sure you were studying. You were a little rebellious, I take it, <laughs> as we all were, yeah, you know. Yes. <laughs> but um, where did you go to university? So I went to university in Burgundy, where I studied uh, agronomy. And uh, that was probably my passion for nature. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is where I met my wife at the time. She, she wanted to become a lawyer. And uh, so I graduated in uh, agronomy. Okay. And uh, this was what I, uh, I think I wanted to do without knowing what I wanted to do because agronomy is like medicine. I mean, it's, it's a very large uh, spectrum of uh, activities. And... Uh, I got my first job out of the university. I went to grow peanuts in uh, Africa. That was my, my first mission as a, as a Peace Corps. Uh, I was say, so, so was that a Peace Corps? Yeah. 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 And, and that was great. I mean, you, you learn agronomy uh, and you learn, I would say, modern agronomy. And obviously, you don't learn about peanuts when, no. you, when you go to the <laughs> university in France. But you're sent on a mission. And you need to go to Africa, and specifically to Guinea-Bissau, which is a tiny country which used to be a Portuguese colony. Okay. You don't speak Portuguese. You don't know what a peanut is and how it grows, but you're supposed to run a project to uh, help the guys to grow their peanut industry. So so you wonder if there's... It there is something wrong in the <laughs> in the system, <laughs> but you are there for a couple of years, and you have a mission. And obviously, uh, I chose that way because I wanted to. I was, you know, full of hopes. Mm -hmm. I wanted to help, and and uh, and and finally, I was able to help. But <laughs> but the first thing I had to do was to learn and to learn fast, to learn the language, to learn their tradition, and to learn how to grow peanuts, which which <laughs> which which I did. So, I, I, I ha my mother was from Georgia, and lots of peanuts are grown in Georgia. And there was a famous African-American, George Washington Carver, who I'm sure you've heard of because you were growing peanuts. So you had to come across some of his papers, his yes. research on this. Um, why peanuts? Why, why, would, why, did they, why were they trying to 
start a grow a peanut industry there? Because it was one of the only um, production that they can sell on the international market and trade in order to finance uh, other activities. To build the infrastructure. Yeah, to build the infrastructure. So uh, the, 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 the idea was to help them produce more peanuts in order to get foreign currencies and buy more equipment. However, the first thing you realize when you're there trying to help is that first these people barely are, are barely able to feed themselves. Right. So you you need to take the, the, the thing the other way around. It's what should we do first? Because if you want to help them to grow peanuts, first you need to help them to be able to feed themselves and the family and the schools and uh, so this is where it was fascinating to integrate within their their their, their worries and and try to help on on several fronts uh, from uh, from medicine to bring them whatever medicine they needed to also help them on the cultivation of some more basic stuff uh, and uh, and finally you know, after some time, they were able to, yeah, devote more time to the cultivation of peanuts, and and the local government was able to organize the trading of of that production. And uh, man, it was complicated. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and, and 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 but the beauty of this, and I've always been grateful to to these people whom I I met over there, was that it's a wonderful, it's the best training ever. I could have ever dreamt of. I mean, because you need to adapt mm -hmm. to conditions that <laughs> you were clearly not expecting or clearly underestimating. It's it's once you have adapted to that kind of challenge and context, regardless of the climate and the local disease, which are <laughs> other things. But it's it's great because it it helps you to 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 anticipate things in life and to adjust and to and to adjust to different people and different environments. And, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful for that wonderful experience. That's amazing. <clears throat> First of all, um, I don't know Celsius, so I couldn't say. But I have friends who are in the military, and they're like, like, Arizona's not hot. Africa is hot. Like, it's like 120 is easy in Africa, yeah. I've heard. And, um, and humid. And humid. And you're coming from... Leon, <laughs> yeah, or Burgundy at that point. <laughs> yeah, but you know, and you got malaria. Yeah, I, got, I read that. I mean, so you went with your wife Catherine yeah, went with you yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, so you guys yeah. are you are you are bright eyed. Yeah, gonna change the world. Yeah, yeah. Join the Peace Corps. Yeah, we are going to change the world. <laughs> <laughs> and we yeah, and we made it. And you and <laughs> this <laughs> malaria like just. I don't know anyone who's had malaria. Tell people that, because like that's a disease that like I only know from. I'm a little bit younger than you, but like there's commercials. There was commercials in the '70s, like there's malaria in Africa. Like it has yeah. to do with drinking. That has to do with drinking water. Or what's the? No, uh, no, no, no. It's uh, mosquito. Mosquitoes. The mosquito which bites you and okay, and you feel miserable because you're you're weak and you have fever and your head hurts and and you feel that <laughs> that you're going to die. And the following morning you wake up and you say, okay, I'm. I'm starting to feel better, and then you treat, you take those pills with uh, uh, quinine. And you say, oh, yeah, you quinine. quinine. We, yeah, but it's quinine. Yeah, yeah, we call it quinine. And, and anyway, here I am. You made it. That's I made it. it. And how long? How long <laughs> were you two in Africa? 
two years. Wow. Yeah. I mean, what did your family think when you said you're going to do that? I think my my parents were happy to see me go away from, uh, I mean, and, and mm -hmm. live my own life. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, at the time we had no email, no <laughs> we, know, we did have you had to write a telephone. letter. <laughs> I mean, we were writing letters, which were taking a month to arrive. And Par avion. Par avion. <laughs> and and my, my mother was, was, was worried that we would not be feeding enough, so she kept sending cheeses. <laughs> to <laughs> and we had cheeses who took a month to arrive uh, by, by mail in, in Africa, in the middle of nowhere. And I can tell you... the. The, the cheese were, were, were in pretty we, bad condition. Yeah, I know. Had. French cheeses can be pretty pungent as it is. Yeah, and, uh, and yeah. so <laughs> you imagine, you add one month of uh, African uh, traffic yeah, I was gonna say what during that, uh, the warm season. Transportation, yeah. Uh, transportation. Wow. Oh, my goodness. So Amazing. the, the po local postman hated us. <laughs> so... Um, did you get married before you went, or or when? Or so you guys two years come back, get married. No, we time? married before because I wanted to yeah to make get sure my, yeah, my, to seal the my, deal. my deal done. Yeah, yeah, to seal the deal. Got <laughs> it. <laughs> you had to make sure she would come to Africa. Yeah, for yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you have to secure um, yeah things. Yeah. So you got you come back and do you go back to Lyon or you go back to Burgundy where you met? No, no, we we went back to to Paris. Okay. Went back to Paris where I. Um, I wanted, originally I wanted to go back to, to Africa, but uh, both of us had been sick and we could not return uh, as quickly as possible. So I took a job in Paris uh, with, the, with the French uh, Ministry of Agriculture. And, uh, and then one day I was offered to come to, to the US to come and uh, promote French wines. So I took that job immediately. And uh, I knew a bit, a bit about wine because um, that was one of my passions. So, uh, so it was for my wife. So we 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 decided to go. We had uh, already uh, our first child. Okay. And we we flew to New York, and uh, I was supposed to stay a couple of years, and we stayed ten years in New York. Okay. So, um, Minister of Agriculture. Um, that is what we'd call a government job. Uh, kind of. Yeah. That's what we call here, you know, because any minister, I mean, yeah. uh, kind of what was, were you uh, an administrator? What was your duties? No, no, I was in a marketing agency okay. um, called Sopexa, promoting French food and French wine. So I've at the beginning I was in Paris, but I was so happy that that job in New York was offered to, to me that uh, I jumped on it immediately. So how did you go from agronomy to planting peanuts to working in marketing? That's a very good question, <laughs> and I never had the answer. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, life to me, I mean, life is about learning. Yeah, and uh, I love new challenge and doing new things. And uh, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't graduated from the best French school, probably because I was a lazy student. So, if there is one lesson I, I, I learned quickly, is that you can catch up with it and, yeah. and compensate by accumulating learning experiences. Mm -hmm. And Africa was a great school for me, better yeah. than any university, sure. uh, dealing with people, dealing with challenge. So uh, I, I, I knew very little about marketing, okay. but I learned it fast. And uh, again, when you arrive in America in the early 80s, uh, the market is... Uh, 
not yet sophisticated, but it's so being getting more sophisticated, getting more structured, and you have more players coming in, in the picture. And the great thing about America, if I compare to France, is that you can make it as long as you work hard. And I was lucky enough to meet some fantastic people uh, in the trade, in the industry, mm -hmm. who teach me a lot. I learned fast, and I... I made some, you know, great guy in the wine industry, great guy in the in the communication industry, in the advertising uh, world, and the, this guy were were a great mentor to me, and I was able to, you know, uh, grow up with them and work very closely to them. And uh, I came here; I was in my uh, mid twenties, wow. and I stayed until my mid thirty-five, okay. uh, until I was thirty-five, and uh, I enjoyed working here because here you can, yeah, you can learn fast do it make it happen and uh, and again regardless of your original diplomas it go fast it, if you work hard yeah which i loved yeah so you said um because here we are it's 2023 and i was going to get to where you know you're at in burgundy and what has happened in burgundy and 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 then and then in bordeaux and it was in the 80s and 80s so it's like hard for me to fathom like that you needed someone to, to help promote French wines. Like, what, what was it like? What was like, what was like the, uh, the status of imports, exports going on in the eighties that, that they were like, we need, we need to promote our wines in, in the U S. So in the eighties it was, uh, so the wine industry in the U S was very small. So White Zinfandel. <laughs> yes, white zin yeah. Yeah. and hearty burgundy. Yeah, hearty burgundy, which is which was old vine Zinfandel. Sixty yeah. percent, <laughs> yeah, crazy. So and Chablis, Mount and, Chablis. And uh, so for for France, it was a fantastic time. The the import were 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 growing, and the the the, the market was really thirsty for education, for okay. understanding the wines, and uh, and um, everywhere in the U.S. The thing was. Uh, was booming and was uh, was growing, and then when the the industry developed in the U.S., I think it it did. It was very good for the U.S. market to have a, a, a stronger uh, local wine production, which is today extremely powerful. Mm -hmm. But I think the overall market was helped by the fact. I always believe that in any country, the wine market is much better when you have a. A, a beautiful local production because it helps foster the culture mm -hmm. of the product. It's mm -hmm. part of the of the pride of the country, and then uh, imports can always play a role because the wines are different, uh, the traditions are different, the stories are different. But uh, I, I think uh, I was happy to see the way the American wine industry developed because I think overall it, it helped the the market and the. And the beauty of the wine industry today is that it's multicultural, uh, very international, yet extremely local uh, industry. Wow, I never thought of it that way. It's amazing. Um, what was the, uh, just question a minute. So you came in the 80s, so this was on the heels of the Judgment of Paris in 1976, which kind of really helped jumpstart the uh, California, i.e. the American wine industry. Um, were you around wine when that happened? Had you heard about the Judgment of Paris? Like, what was like, was was that? Did that play into any of the marketing plans you were putting forth in the eighties? I, I, of course, it was. 
it was news, it was mm-hmm. an important development, but uh, again, we have to, well, I, th- I think we, we have to be uh, open-minded and challenged, and, and there is no situation that you can own forever. Yeah. And again, I think uh, the fact that competition was rising and that the awareness on American wine was rising okay. has been extremely good for, for the market in general. Now, when it, when it happens, it's a bit, it's a, it's a bit of a shock. Yeah. Uh, but so what? A- at least it kicks it kicks us in the. Right? Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean. And yeah. it's uh, it's challenging. The dairy air. The dairy air. <laughs> so it's it's challenging. So whenever y- there is a challenge, I think it's much better than when you are too comfortable right. and when you think you're you're the best. Right. Because you're never the best. Right. right. That makes sense. I agree. I will never be the best me, sadly, and I can only be me. But I'm just trying. But just be yourself. Exactly. And even more. Yeah. I don't know if there's any more. I don't want people want any more of this. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so that was Sapexo. How long were you with Sapexo? Ten uh, years. Ten years. And and so, what was your next job? And you stayed in wine, kind of, right? Did yeah. you stay in wine? And I, I owe my career to um, people in America mm-hmm. because um, at the time. So I, as I told you, many great American people in the industry inspired me. Mm-hmm. And there was a man by the name of Ab Simon, okay. uh, who used to be uh, one of the great leaders of Seagram. Okay. And uh, he is the one who told me, Philip, uh, we may need you to, to run our business in France. So I am in my mid-30s. Uh, after 10 years of uh, learning in America, and uh, this great gentleman offers me to go back to my home country to run the Seagram interest in uh, in France. So needless to say, I, I was very happy to take on the challenge. My kids, our kids were growing up, but we wanted to get them back in the loop of uh, French education. So mm-hmm. it was perfect timing. So, and again, we, we were, thanks to, I would say the American uh, way of doing things, I was uh, able to get back to my home country with, uh, with a great uh, job opportunity. Um, I want to unpack Seagram's, but um, I'm on to the second white wine you brought. Please tell us about this second white wine. So this is Puligny Montrachet. Yeah, it is. Les Pucelles, <laughs> Pucel, yeah. the Virgins, yeah. <laughs> 2020. And this is probably one of the nicest uh, terroir in uh, in Burgundy, in Burgundy, for mm-hmm. white Burgundy, mm-hmm. and maybe one of the top terroir for Chardonnay in the world. Mm-hmm. And the beauty, the beauty of our tiny region of Burgundy, because it's still a tiny region in mm-hmm. terms of size, yep. is the diversity of terroir expression that we get. And when you're in puligny montrachet it doesn't taste like in Meursault or like in chassagne montrachet next door. I mean, and, and it tastes so different. Uh, and this is due, we, we, we have to admit it, it's, it's not because of the skill of uh, our, wine, our winemaking still, although I'm happy enough and lucky enough to have a great young winemaker working with me. But this is because the terroir is what it is, mm-hmm. the soil. And and uh, and nature, mother nature, is is teaching us a lesson every vintage, and vintage after vintage, vintage Puligny Montrachet 
coming from Les Pucelles will not, not taste like a Chassagne Montrachet next door or like a Puligny uh, from, from another crew. It's just because the soil nuances are so different. The limestone, the kind of limestone we have, the depth of the ground, uh, will help us to make uh, a different wine. Our role in this great terroir, our role is just to make sure we help nature to express itself mm -hmm. the purest, the, the best way, the pure, and the purer, the purer, the better. And you can see the length of, of that wine in your in your mouth. It's 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 never ending. Yeah, it's, it's long, 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 long finish. It's it's one of those things where you know, in the United States, there was a period, I think like '90s, late '90s, early '00s, where there's a group of people. It's called the ABC Club, anything but Chardonnay, because the styles we we're making here in the United States. But when you have like white burgundy, like something like this, you're like Chardonnay is like it's it's just it's I don't even have words like it literally it, it's so thank you otherworldly. We, I mean, the nature of the soil is very important, mm -hmm. and the way you help nature express is important. For instance, we don't use a lot of New York. We we use very little New York. Mm -hmm. And we do long aging in the barrel. And when you do long aging, which is two years, almost two years in the barrel, in that case, even if you have a bit of new oak, the, the wine is so strong, so dynamic, that it will absorb whatever it needs to absorb and soften. Mm -hmm. So you don't have the... You don't get that pronounced. I mean, that, you don't tie... You don't have at all the oakiness. Mm -hmm. And maybe on that particular wine, I could do 100% new oak and, and the thing will will be soft and you will don't feel the... I, I the, think it'd probably be fine, but I'm just but, loving this. But this um, yeah. I think the... And okay, we, we did okay making that wine, <laughs> but, but I think the, the nature has done 90% of the job. Yeah. And what was 2020 like as a vintage? It was an uh, <laughs> interesting year, very dry, <laughs> okay, very dry, very warm, and uh, I mean we 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 are all facing that uh, climate change mm -hmm. issue, mm -hmm. and uh, 2020 was an illustration of a very dry summer, no rain in June, July, August, uh, so the, the 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 grapes were concentrating a lot, and the key is to keep. Uh, you need three components to make a great wine. You need, obviously, the maturity and the sugar, which is going to give you the alcohol, but you, you don't want to have too much. Mm -hmm. You need the phenolic maturation, which is the, tannin, the way the tannins are going to mature. Mm -hmm. So it's important for red wine, but also for white wine, to make sure that you have that ripeness, which is the ripeness of the tannins. And then the third thing is the acidity. And the acidity, contrary to the other two, the acidity will diminish uh, over time. So the more mature the grapes are, the less acidity you may have. So capturing the, the right amount of acidity, mm -hmm. since we, don't, uh, we, we, we are not able to acidify the wine. So we want to keep the natural acidity at its right level, but we need the other two maturities at, at the same time. So it's, it's, a cross, it's, it's a crossroad that you need to capture. Mm -hmm. So the key in 2020, to come back to your question, was to make sure we 
were harvesting early enough before the acidity was burnt by the drought. Gotcha, gotcha. So, I mean, I again, I, I some of these questions people don't know because I have people who listen who might be new to wine or whatever their age. Seagram's was very important in the wine business. I, um, so Seagram Chateau and Estates, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, all right. So um, kind of uh, elaborate kind of on uh, their importance to the wine business here in the United States and around the world and then do that first and then let's talk about what you did for them. So just kind of give, give my young 20-something want to drink natty wine psalms a little lesson <laughs> on, on the business. <laughs> I don't want to give any lesson. <laughs> you uh, said you wanted to be a teacher. So. Yeah. yeah, okay, so. No, I, didn't, they, I, didn't say, I didn't say talk bad about natural wine. I just said, you know, there's, there's you know. <laughs> no, the, but Seagram's was very important because I remember seeing when I worked in auctions, you'd see Seagram Chateau and Estates. And I was, and, and, and it was the largest company importing fine uh, French wines from Bordeaux, from Burgundy. Wow. It had grown, uh, you know, beautiful success. And then after, you know, the, 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 the shareholders of that company decided to invest in other things. So the, the focus on wine and spirit um, was diminishing and uh, they finally sold uh, pieces of the business. And, and the company who used to be the leader of the worldwide market, because also they, they own the, the number of prestigious brands in the, in the U.S., in Europe, and they they sold the, the businesses and uh, and they just disappeared. It was a, was a, it was a British company originally. It was Canadi Canadian Canadian American. Canadian American, okay. Yeah, headquartered here in New York. Yeah, on on uh, on Park Avenue. I mean, as a kid, I Seagram's was it was ginger ale to me, and then I yes. then, then I become an adult. I'm like, oh my god, they, they why you know? They and, and also brand, they had like. Spirits and that's uh, Shivas. Yes, yes, yeah. Crazy. So, uh, anyway, but th that's the corporate uh, world. You can be at the top, and then uh, you may decide or not decide, and then you. <laughs> okay. Anyway, they, it disappeared. It makes other people happy because some people bought, purchased their brands. Mm -hmm. And anyway, uh, you know, to me that was uh, thanks to them and especially to to Ab Simon that I. Uh, got on a new trajectory. Yeah. Um, Barton and Juste was that part? Was that after Seagram's? B and G. B and G. Yeah. It was part of Seagram. I was okay. So it was okay. There you go. Okay. B and G and Merm and Perrier's Red Champagne. So that, that so was my my uh, duty there. Uh, so I had to had to, so I had to pull that out of him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, B and G. I know them as, and I, but tell me about. They were more. They were more like value wines, or it was a Bordeaux négociant. Okay, doing uh, almost trying to do everything. Okay, in <laughs> France, so I, I I had to fix a bit the the strategy and refocus on Bordeaux. Okay, which I did, mm -hmm. and uh, it was a great brand in the U.S. We used to do. Uh, I mean, it was. Big brand in the U.S. Yeah. So we refocused because it's, you know you can't be good at everything, so you need to be concentrated. Mm -hmm. So we refocused the company on on Bordeaux, and it did well. And then after, on, I mean, it was part of the companies which were sold. And sure. Uh, and they, uh, since I did uh, okay with BNG, 
they asked me to, to take care of their champagne business, which I did. And then after a few years, uh, I realized that they were thinking about the new strategy and uh, wondering what they should do, <laughs> where they should invest. And, you know, I was young and a bit impatient. And uh, they were asking, uh, they had a bunch of uh, consultants, uh, you know, highly paid uh, con yes, consulting I, firms. I, I know. They really? all go to Harvard and Yale. And, yeah, and, I mean, and no, we, we, have, we, we know what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, well, this is what you should yeah, do. Exactly. And, uh, <laughs> and they give you those uh, prestigious, uh, impressive, expensive presentations. Yes. And the board says, yeah, this is, sounds like... Why didn't you think of that? <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I was a wine man. Uh, I was interested by wine, by champagne. I was, uh, I was focusing on building my brands, and uh, I, I thought it was clear, clear, clear enough to me. So, uh, so I, I got a, a little bit impatient. I was in my 35, 35, 36, uh, and uh, no, sorry, I was in my 39th year, and uh, and then I, you know, I crossed paths with Bernard Arnault at the time, and he. He was looking for someone young and, <laughs> and uh, energetic to take care of some of his champagne business. And uh, I joined him and I stayed with him for 20 years. So I'm going to get into the meeting with Bernard O'Neill. But at that point, um, Mum was a pretty well-known champagne. I mean, like you go to these antique shores and there's all these Mum champagne posters. Yeah. Like, um did they have, I, I, what, what is Mum's tête de cuvée, right? So I know they have, you know, you have your NV, but what was their tête de cuvée for Mum? So th um, there was a tête de cuvée by the name of the f one of the founder, okay. which was René Laloux. Okay. <laughs> and, and it was a great wine, but the, 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 the name was just impossible. And, <laughs> and, 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 uh, and the bottle was just impossible. So, so they came out the, uh, with, with another one, which was called Grand Cordon. And... Uh, because the red stripe is called cordon rouge, so they yeah they okay came yeah. with a grand cordon okay grand cordon okay and um, and anyway I mean it's a great company today the brand is back on track yeah uh, I don't know exactly if, if they have a tête de cuvée or not but uh, yeah. it's, it's back on track but at the time we were losing we were losing time and Oof. wondering what should be the strategy, should we invest or not invest behind the brand. Yeah. Uh, and we were leader. I mean, in the US, we were very strong. In Canada, we were number one. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, uh, and anyway, you know, when, when your shareholders are, are not behind the strategy, uh, you need to make up your mind. I mean, either you waste your time or, or you do something else. So I decided to do something else. All right. So... Uh, Bernard Arnault, please tell people who he is, who haven't read so up on you. <laughs> he's, the, he's the chairman of LVMH. He's, he created LVMH uh, in the late 80s, and uh, he made it the number one group of luxury brands across many categories. And he, he, he asked me at the time to, to, to take care of Veuve Clicquot. Now, where did you, how do you just bump into... The guy who created, <laughs> who actually just like, I, I am luxury. How, how do you just bump into that guy? <laughs> you know, the, first I, 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 um, 
he had spent many years in, in, in the U.S., so mm-hmm. I, I had the opportunity to cross him when he was uh, living in the U.S. But, you know, I was uh, running the champagne business of Seagram. I yep. did a number of things, so, you know, they checked on me, I guess. They tracked yeah. me down. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. they say, hey, Philippe, why don't yeah, you come guy, and see Guys us? like that have like, people who can find people. This is be, I mean, before yeah. the Internet, right? <laughs> like, it's like yeah, it was before the Internet. <laughs> Uh, we we yeah they figured out where I, where I could be reached. Yeah. So, so what year was this? You, you went to work for him. 90, early ninety four. Early ninety four. Wow. April first, uh, ninety four. Oh my God. So. Wow, Vove Clicquot, it's iconic. It, it, it it's. It's, it's pretty much synonymous with champagne for most people. It, it, it's an amazing company, a great brand. And, uh, you know, I ran it for almost 10 years. And uh, it had a phenomenal success in America. Was it, now, was it, was, it, was, it, was it already in America when you took over? It, it, was, it was already imported, right? But it, it was already imported. But it was like, it was on the shelf. It was on the shelf, but it was starting to move. Okay. And the great success of uh, Clico in the world, and especially in America, is very much linked to the people who were running the brand in uh, in the different markets. And we had a talented, uh, wonderful women who did fantastically well in the, in the U.S., uh, Mireille Giuliano. And uh, if she's listening, um, I want to, uh, to get, get back the credit on, on that wonderful success. And she was a fantastic partner. And uh, and I had s- extraordinary people in in Japan, in Germany, in uh, in the UK, and 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 a great talented winemaker who passed away recently. Um, and uh, and everything you know, everything when when you talk about success, the success is only can only be attributed to 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 the contribution of people. People who like to work with you, who embark mm. on a challenge, who you know bring ideas, uh, bring their drive, bring their uh, bring their differences, bring their uh, opinions, uh, could voice it uh, sometimes very loudly. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean, composing <coughs> with a bunch of extremely talented people can help you to change the world <laughs> of champagne. <laughs> <laughs> And so I remember um, I started in the wine business in 90s, 97. Yeah. And um, so New Year's Eve, 1997, um, was the first ever, I don't know what the vintage, but it was the first time it was released that fall, Le Grand Dame Rosé. Yes. Uh, okay. So how do, so here you have this brand. Iconic and and you know something you said about Burgundy and just just France is I mean when when we think about how big the United States is and how small areas are and Champagne is still not even, it's still not even that big but like wh- why or why wh- you know how come they never had a rosé until that point like and this is before and you obviously you know because this is what you do it's what you did this is before rosé all day and soccer moms and but like but um what was kind of going on what was like who whose idea was like you know we, we're gonna do a la grand dame we're gonna do a rosé tete de cuvee la grand dame rosé i have to you know 
catch up my head. I know he's like he's like and taking me way back, memory, man. Yeah. I was like, you know, <laughs> can we make a cut here? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no way. No, you signed the waiver. <laughs> no, no way. No. What, what I can what I can tell you, I, yeah. what, what I remember extremely well yeah. that Clico was uh, and and has a beautiful Pinot Noir uh, vineyard. So okay. I can remember that uh, there was a very strong background on uh, Pinot on Pinot Noir. Mm-hmm. There is. Uh, there was also um, every year there was a bit of red wine made, and and really s- still red wine, yeah, which was made and 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 k- kept in the cellar. So year after year we could go back to this red wine and taste it. And and the wine the winemaker uh, Jacques Jacques Peters, who was the chef de cave, brilliant guy who had been chef de cave for twenty five years, mm-hmm. I think. Um, you know, kept working on his uh, rosé blend, uh, trying to achieve what he wanted to do. And I know that when they said, you remember, he said, okay, I think we are ready. We are ready, we, we have this, and it, this is fine enough to fly. But he was the one, it was not the marketing who yeah. decided. Yeah, okay. It was the winemaker, mm. the chef de cave, mm-hmm. who was comfortable enough to say, this is time now for us to have a, 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 a Grand Dame Rosé. I'm proud enough and I'm confident enough that uh, this will fly. Uh, and 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 uh, I, I think in the wine business, of course, you need marketing. You need, but uh, at the at the end, the, the product will fly only if if the wine is good yeah. and is good enough. Yeah. And you need to have people who are demanding enough and strong enough in production and winemaking to stand their 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 their, their position. Yeah. Uh, because the marketing can twist their arm and ask them to make, uh, uh, you know, bigger bubbles mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. <laughs> or, what, or whatever, or, or, yeah. or an orange wine. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Which uh, yes. And, and, uh, <laughs> but at the, uh, uh, f- I mean, first we, I think, it, at least in that business, first the wine has to stand for, for what it is. Yeah. By itself. Yeah. I love that. You know what, uh, Philippe, this is a great time to take a quick break so we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be back with more of Philippe Pascal okay we're back so Philippe love Clico how long did you uh, had that up you said that was um almost, almost 10 years almost 10 years almost correct 10 okay so so that was like around 2003 2004 well, 2001 in fact. Two, two, no, okay yeah, so um and in my research I read you know um after Bernard Arnault had sought you out, you were always kind of an advisor to him. He sought you, your counsel. Um, what did he have you do next uh, inside of the uh, LVMH group? No, what I what I did is that for almost another tenure, I did um, watch and jewelry, <laughs> <laughs> which um, the good thing is that I didn't know anything about watch and jewelry. But you like to learn. But I like to learn. <laughs> I like the challenge. Yeah, and. Uh, and we started. I mean, the the, the group uh, had decided to start that new activity, which is a is a big part of uh, the luxury world today, and uh, it made sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we needed someone to to run that division because uh, not because I was I didn't go because I was uh, the best talented guy for that position, but because we had nobody. <laughs> <laughs> and and in, in fact, I. Um, I always volunteered to do new things uh, in my learning kind of attitude. So I said to Bernard, okay, if you want, uh, I'm, 
we, we were thinking about who could take the job. Someone failed to take it. So I said, okay, you know, I think about it, but I'm ready for the challenge because mm -hmm. I had a guy who was working very close to me in the wine and spirit who was ready to take over from me. So, you know, and I wanted a new challenge. And uh, so I took it and we, and we, we made it. It was fun. I surrounded myself with people from that industry. I, I, I made sure I picked up the best people from the industry to help me run that. And uh, and then we we acquired a number of company and uh, and I uh, you know until we acquired Bulgari, I uh, I run the division and then I left uh, I left after to take care of my little vineyard. So um, there's a lot there. We gotta gotta. Dissect, but we. I would love to move on to um, the, red wine. the red wines. Which one should we start with? We should start with Clos du Cellier au Moine. Okay. The cellar of the monks. Okay. Um, this one. Okay. So let me pour it to you. Thank you. Clos du Cellier au Moine, 2020. Look at that color. Thank you. So very dry year. Very dry. Okay, it's also 2020, right? 2020. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The cellar of the monks, um, and it was created. This is not marketing <laughs> fiction. <laughs> that estate was created by the monks in the 12th century. Okay. Around 1130, not 11:30 no, p.m. Yeah, I was like, I mean, uh, uh, not this morning. Not, <laughs> not recently. Yeah. Yeah, 12th century. And uh, the monks had spotted that area. And uh, for seven centuries until French Revolution, mm -hmm. they were in charge of it. And at French Revolution, they got kicked out. Then for two centuries, that was a family uh, who ran it and used it as more of a country home and wine was secondary to them. Okay. And then we bought it in uh, with Catherine in 2004. Okay. Watches. I used to love watches. I do love watches. I can't afford the type of watches that you were in charge of, uh, but I was really, really proud of myself when I was five years old. Um, I didn't get wine, watered down wine, but I used to suck my thumb. And I stopped sucking my thumb, and my father bought me a Mickey Mouse watch. So I've always had a thing for watches. Um, like, uh, one of the brands you acquired was Hublot. Yes. Okay. Um, now I'm just fascinated by this. Like a lot of these luxury watches, like there's like waiting lists I've heard. And like, you have to like, I read an article, fact checks people, but I read an article from Brad Pitt is a watch collector, right? And there's some of these luxury watches where like they have to interview before they'll sell you the watch. Is that true? Is that, have you heard of that as, you know, I mean, they don't want just anybody wearing the watch. I mean, <laughs> I don't know, so man. I mean, these things are expensive. I mean, no, it's an amazing market, and uh, the, the market has been growing up, uh, getting more and more sophisticated. It's uh, it's a fascinating product because you 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 have the engine, like the move the movement. Right. So that's handmade, right? It's somebody like everything is handmade. Okay. Everything is it's 
I mean, it's uh, it's like a mini car industry, but wow. you have everything on your wrist, mm -hmm. uh, which is as complicated as a car. It's probably more. Uh, cars are big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, but. <laughs> And, and and then it, it it has also it's amazing because the, the it's not far away also from 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 the wine. Very often the people very keen on watches are also watch collector. Collect I wine. mean it's, yeah. it's, uh, it, it's it's there's a thread through luxury, yeah, right? Yeah, uh, I would say uh, the I mean between art, watches, wine, there's a lot of the same people uh, when you go up the ladder yeah as you get to collectors yeah, yeah. Uh, education mm -hmm. um, so um, yeah that's a, that's a beautiful industry yeah so meanwhile 2004 you you purchase this beautiful domain and you said it was a monastery it was uh, 900 years the previous family they were just kind of was like a getaway yeah um, your wife Catherine is from Burgundy originally yeah. all right so when you first bought it in 04, you're still full on CEO, man, um, yep. doing, doing your thing, running the show. Uh, what, what was your first order of business when, and when you guys purchased the uh, domain? So the uh, thing is that my wife uh, was, was on the forefront of it. So okay. she, 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 uh, she was uh, very much involved because I was only the, uh, you know, the, I was the, the grower during the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> Learning and the uh, gentleman farmer, the gentleman Viron. Uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah, but you know, uh, we were by ourselves and uh, the no employees. We had to do a lot of things ourselves. Yeah, kids. Yeah, they're the employees. <laughs> Grandkids. <laughs> yeah. And um, I got stunning. It's just so powerful. The nose. So this is great Pinot Noir, yeah. and this is. Uh, whole bunch fermentation. Okay. We, we mm -hmm. use uh, all grapes, we yep. don't de-stem. Yep. So this is what you get Stip, here. Sticks, seeds, stems, and everything. It's the real sticky icky, y'all. <laughs> but he knows Snoop. <laughs> but at the beginning, it was not that easy. Because, <laughs> you know, the, your first wines, first you you make wine from, from the vineyards you, you bought. Mm -hmm. And we really, uh, we, we quickly realized that the, uh, the the vineyards we had were were not of top top quality. Okay. The the terroir was great. The yep. soil was great. The exposure, the underground were great. But the vi the vines itself were vines planted in the 1970s, and at this time, uh, like in many places in Burgundy, you had a lot of clones, and clones are very I would say industrial type of plants. Which were very standard, highly productive, mm -hmm. rustic tannins, uh, sometimes maturing with some kind of difficulty, uh, and and the the, the wine you you were able to make was not of the greatest standard. Kay. So we we f after you know a few of us we realized that we needed to improve that, and that uh, we needed to replant with proper. Uh, rootstock and what we call selection massal, massal selection, which is in genetic the opposite of clones. Clones are very industrial. All individuals in a clone are the same. No genetic diversity. One, while in selection massal, you pick, you select individual based on their behavior, on their track record. So you get one, you get vines with a pedigree. And, and we were looking for 
smaller bunches, smaller berries, uh, and, and wines uh, with, with and vines with tannins, which will mature uh, more uh, elegantly. So, um, obviously, there are nurseries working on this kind of program. It's mm -hmm. a bit more expensive. Mm -hmm. You can't get large quantities, but we were able little by little to replant all our vineyard on, of Clos du Célio wine, but it took us, you know, the, the, the last uh, replanting will be done next year. And it, so it means that it will have taken us 20 years to replant five hectares, little by little, uh, small plot by small plot, in order to change the pedigree of our, of our vines. And again, it's going back to more genetic diversity, more variety, and, and more individualities in, in the vines rather than having a standard kind of industrial uh, Pinot Noir. Yeah. And um, why did you select, uh, you know, Givry, why did you select this? Um, I mean, obviously, obviously um, vineyards are tough to come by. Land is tough to come by. Like in California, like in Burgundy, it's tough to come by. Um, but why did you choose? Uh, I mean, it's historic monsters. Yeah. yeah, talk about why you chose this area. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I think this is uh, this is this is a great question. To make. <laughs> Thank you for asking. Every uh, now and that's what I you, yeah, know, you know. I ask some good questions, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> no, the first, you know, it took us ten years. Okay. To find the right spot. Mm -hmm. We were scouting around Burgundy. We had a few opportunities. And uh, as a matter of fact, I mean, obviously, you start scouting the, the well-known areas, and, yeah. and you found out that it's very expensive. <laughs> so you, got, you, you, you guys know what he did for a living. So he's not, yeah. I mean, like, so if he's saying ex it's expensive. <laughs> and, and, uh, and there is an option. An yeah. option is to find rather affordable land mm -hmm. in very well-known mm -hmm. appellation. Mm -hmm. But if they are rather affordable, it's because they are not of the best quality. That's what we, that's, uh, there's, we have a show, it's fixer-upper. It's like you're buying, you're buying the worst house on the best street, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. That's the best, exp I never had the expression, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. The worst house on the, on the, on the best the street, street yeah. we, we, we found some yeah. of, the, of these. <laughs> and um, a good, a good uh, friend of ours who was of one of Catherine's father friends, mm -hmm. um, teach me on the, on the worst house in the, in the best street. Yeah. And he told me, don't do that, Philippe. It, uh, <laughs> it, might, it may be in Merceau, but it, let yeah. me tell you, oh, this is the worst thing <laughs> you can ever make. So anyway, uh, it took us 10 years. And one day we found out about that place by, you know, by a friend tip. We, we knew about that place. And we went to visit uh, Givry. Mm -hmm. I, kn I knew of Givry, of course. I, I, I liked the Givry, the, mm -hmm. the, um, the red wine of Givry, but okay, I, I, was, I was not that keen on Givry. But, I mean, we went there, we saw that place, we climbed up the hill, we saw that old house from, <coughs> from the 12th century, mm -hmm. which was falling apart. We saw the vineyard on that beautiful slope, facing south, great limestone. And we said, gee, this is, this is a place where, not only where we want to, which we want to buy, but this is a place where we want to live. Mm. I mean, there was a kind of, you know, 
you know, nine centuries of history. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't know exactly how, how old it is, but you, you can feel the place uh, had a special spirit. The monks had been there for seven centuries. Yeah. We didn't know everything about the history, but we felt that there was a lot of... Uh, the place had a spirit. Yep. I mean, there was, a, a you say, a soul? There was a soul, a spirit. Yeah, there, yeah there's a soul. It had a soul. A soul. It, had, soul. it had, yeah, you can... And, and, and there energy, was, or even there was yeah, an energy about the There was the energy, place. there yeah. was history, there was... An, an, uh, and we knew that for sure there would be a lot of work, but we, we loved the terroir. The, the, the terroir was... For sure, the best house uh, in, a, in yeah. an unknown right. Right. Uh, street. Yeah, <laughs> and and uh, and this is why we embarked. On the, I mean, we fell in love with the place on the spot. We didn't say to obviously to the seller. Right. We say, oh, you know. Right. I think you know how to make a deal or two. You know, but but I mean, uh, I mean, we went back with Catherine on on, on that night, and we say, like, gee. This is the place. I mean, we need, and, and and we were up to the point that to say, okay, this is going to change our life. Mm. And okay, it took us a few years before we decided to cut cut off with the corporate world, but we fell in love with the place, and we we projected ourselves living there and 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 saving also that part of 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 history because it was in in poor shape, and we felt that we could do. We could improve it. We could save it. We could rebuild part of it, and it took us. We thought we will take some years. It, it took more years than anticipated. <laughs> it took more budget than anticipated. <laughs> but oh my God, we we were in love mm. at first sight. Mm. Mm. Uh, amazing. What what does it take to restore a nine hundred year old monastery, or at least part of it, even? It was not a monastery. It was a farm built by the monks. Got it. A bit different. There's a difference, yes. S simpler. Yeah. <laughs> what it takes, it's time and, and uh, you know, trying to respect and to understand uh, the history of it. I mean, you, you, you can't just take a brilliant architect and say, okay, I want to renovate. And <laughs> so first in France, it doesn't work like that. It, it, it is a registered uh, landmark. So yeah. It's a bit of a complication and a yeah. lot of red tape thing. But for the good, I mean that you need to do that properly. So you need to take time and, and uh, do it step by step, but do it properly so you don't uh, screw it up. I mean, it has to be done uh, properly. And it has been, and the more you get into that, you, you, the more you, you feel like you have a kind of responsibility into it. It's part of the history of Givry. Mm -hmm. It's part in, of the history of Burgundy. So you want, the more you get into it, the more you want you want it to be right. So um, you go with the right artisan, the, the right uh, you know stone carver, the right carpenter, the right roof maker. And you go slow. You go slow, and it took us ten years. And so you're you talked about how you replaced the vines and revived those, and we've talked a little bit about. <coughs> The restoration of, of uh, the property, the, you know, the farm, um, fully restored now. Are you done, or is like, well, we got to fix the bathroom? Is everything done there? Is there <laughs> no, no, it's <laughs> never done. Uh, well, that's no, what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it starts to leaks, and uh, yeah. no, the, um, no, no, on, on on this, uh, it's never done. But on the wine side, yeah, uh, we we started making wine in, in the cellar, which we are used by the monks. Okay. 
So at this time, the monks were making wines which were was to be sold very quickly. So they were not aging the wine very long. So th the cellar was not done to age wine long. Okay. The cellar was too cold in the winter, too warm in the summer, uh, not easy to clean because the, I mean the grounds were not that easy. And and f to make great wines, you need to be very strict. On clean, the, uh, yeah. And clean and strict. Unless and you make a natural wine, do uh, what you want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah that's my. That's me. He didn't say that's my shade. You guys know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want that. Philippe did not. I did. You know, but you guys know. You, so they listen. Need, they know, Philippe. It's okay. So that's another debate. That's <laughs> yeah, exactly. Another. It's uh, not even a debate. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> so um, so you've done something very unique there with the cellar. Like I said, it wasn't equipped to do it, but then you went above and beyond, and you've got like this, uh, you know, mad scientist gravity inversion thing going on. Yeah, we. <laughs> I made him laugh. I told you he would laugh. I got my one joke. <laughs> so, so the no, the idea there, you know, as we were becoming more and more serious mm -hmm. about our winemaking, was that we we needed to take it a step further. So I visited many wineries uh, in the in the U.S., in Italy, in France, and uh, in Spain, and uh, was looking around, and and then uh, you know I, that idea of uh, having a full gravity cellar was keeping back to me because we are on the top of a hill so we have some some heights that we can play with mm -hmm. and i wanted to build that gravity cellar so uh we we worked for a couple of years on the id we we had a good architect who is from burgundy we worked with him with him and uh, we finally came with our idea of a full gravity cellar on four levels from grapes to the bottle with no pumping and uh and I wanted that winery to be full gravity, fully integrated in the landscape, inspired by uh, Cistercian uh, architecture, which, uh, you know, we belong to the monks, so yep. mm -hmm. we better behave like monks. And, um, and also to be as low energy uh, consuming as possible. Uh, so, you know, we had a piece of land uh, which was very steep, and in which we were able to dig our winery, our little winery, um, fully integrated in the landscape. It looks a bit like a church. Uh, so how far down does it go? It goes down 20 meters. Okay. You know, from uh, from uh, the top of the grape to the to the bottle, and uh, it was a great great project. It took us a lot of time, and uh, and uh, we feel that that winery has been here forever, and I hope it will will be there for another couple of centuries or more, mm -hmm. and it's it's working beautifully well. And my 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 scare was that at the same time I just hired a, a new winemaker, a young winemaker, who could embark with us on a organic and biodynamic uh, strategy. And I, I met with him, and we had great conversation. And finally, he decided to join us. And uh, uh, and he's a great partner. And 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 my, but, but but my big uh, scare was that he would not like my winery <laughs> because he he, he was not associated to the design of the winery. Right. But finally, he told me one day, you know, Philip, your winery is 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 great. <laughs> so I guess uh, 
I did it okay. But this is where my agronomist background mm-hmm. helped me to to think and work with. I mean, I, I obviously didn't design everything. I worked closely with, with with people who knew yeah. what I wanted and helped me to design it properly. Yeah. What was it like? <coughs> I want to kind of take you back a little bit. What was it like? Uh, the first night you and Catherine were like, did you stay? And it was like there was like a hole in the roof. Like, what was like your first like night? Staying on this property. You're, you're becoming very personal. Yeah, I know, man. <laughs> That's what I do here, man. That's the story. Like, like you said, like, like, and everything I read about you, 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 I mean, anybody who joins the Peace Corps and goes to Africa has got a great heart, <laughs> a soul. Um, so you're very spiritual. To me, that means you're in tune to energy and things. That's what it means. But like, there must have been like this. What was that like when you were like you said like in, I read an article you like you guys fell in love you said this but you know you didn't let the agent know but like that first night you like there like whatever in sleeping bags like you know like you know when you buy that house you sleep on the floor like you know, what, what was it like that first night like oh my god we did it we're 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 gonna we're gonna make wine in Burgundy so I'm not going to talk to you about that first night there. okay I'm going to talk talk to you about another first night. Okay. That that we m- more wine related. Okay. If you, if you don't, if you don't. I don't mind. No, you can always come back with your question. Uh, exactly. Anyway. That's why I, was like, I don't mind. <laughs> we got so, we got a little time left. I'm gonna get there. No, I'm <laughs> going to tell you yeah. about the first time we brought back wine in the cellar. Okay. So uh, when we did our first harvest, mm-hmm. the the. There had not been any wine in the cellar for 40, 50 years because the family before was having a, they were having a contract with a local uh, winemaker who was uh, taking the grapes and uh, co-op negotiation. uh, 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 It was a negotiation. Okay, Uh, doing doing the wine in his own uh, Mm -hmm. facilities in in a village nearby. So, imagine that place, very old. Mm Built by the monks with a lot of spirit, spirit in it, and no wine for f- fifty years. So, in a way, that place is, had, had been missing its mission mm-hmm. I, uh, and the, its uh, raison d'être, the reason why it was built. Yep. So, first harvest, we are in the cellar. We had made the wine, and the wine had been put in the, in the barrel in that beautiful uh, cellar, uh, arched. You say cave voûtée, the 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 old cellar yes. from the 12th century. We had bought uh, new barrels and mm-hmm. uh, as well as used barrels because we were you know on, on a tight budget mm-hmm. and and we had those four rows of barrels. And this is a Sunday night. Uh, I'm supposed to get the six uh, six a.m. train on the following Monday to get back to Paris. You get back to Paris, go to work. Yeah, get, get to work and, make, job. and make a salary. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> and we are here and, and we and we are caressing the bowels and, oh. and smelling what's in the bowels. And and uh, and suddenly we realize that on the walls of the cellar the moisture came back as as came back. And and it was dry for 50 years, so you had no more moisture in the cellar. I mean, it was dry, mm-hmm. beautiful stone. But then on that particular night, we, s- we, we suddenly realized that the moisture, the yeast, were back alive in the cellar. And there was a line on the two walls of the cellar. There was a line showing that the moisture was alive and there. And we were moved to such a point that we both cried. Mm. It was 
you know, life was back in the cellar, mm -hmm. and that old place was living again. Mm. And it was uh, extremely moving. It was uh, orgasmic. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. Damn, that's a great answer. True story. <laughs> Trust me. I <laughs> so, um, uh, in that same vein, what you said, like it was alive, it came back to life. When did you set out? When did you know that this had to be? First, you went organic. So why? How did you become organic? And then, the next level biodynamic. But organic was that? Was organic at? Was that when you first said we're going to be organic? Or how did that? Come we in? always wanted to be uh, organic. Okay. And because you know, being an agronomist, I knew, I knew a lot about chemicals and, and peanuts. Know, and peanuts. And by the way, I used. Chemicals. I yeah. When I, I was in Africa, I read that. Like that's why you wanted because you use chemicals in Africa, and you knew you did not want to use chemicals. In and the I wild. knew yeah. how chemical could be bad. Yeah. I mean, I, I have stories about that. We, and for me, it was. I knew I would not do it again. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I always had that vision. We always wanted to go to to be organic. And then, you know, we have three grown-up kids. They have their own life, their own business, and we have the grandkids who come every summer to help us, they participate a bit, I, I teach them on, on, the, on the wine, on, the, on tasting the grapes, tasting the juice, not tasting the wines officially, but uh, however, at least their parents think that they don't taste wine. Uh, <laughs> and anyway, uh, being, being, being organic was a kind of obvious mission. Yeah. I mean, um, first reason, I didn't want the workers and the team Exposed to, to chemicals. To be exposed to, to, yeah. to chemicals. Yeah. I didn't want the grandkids to be exposed to chemicals. And, and obviously for the market, I know that it's, it's in all fairness, this is something that uh, we owe to the market as well. So I wanted to do that, mm -hmm. but I could not do it as long as I didn't have the right team with me. Okay. And uh, when Guillaume Marco, as winemaker, joined me, he, he joined me with experience in organic and biodynamic, and this is where we decided to go full speed on, uh, on organic and, and biodynamic. So organic first, because you need to reduce your dependency on chemical, and then once you have done that, you can move to the second step, with a, which is biodynamic. But I wanted to do it the full way, which means, uh, because you can say, you know, we are organic and we are biodynamic, right. and then when nature is not good, you go back to the old recipe, yeah. and, and, and I didn't want that. So we, we said, okay, we are going organic and biodynamic, but we want to be committed to it. So that's why we went to the certification process yeah. wow. all the way. So we are now organically certified, still uh, we're starting with the vintage 2020 after three years of uh, conversion. Mm -hmm. And we will be certified biodynamic uh, this year in 2023. Amazing. Um, speaking of 2020, let's taste this other wine. Yes. Um, these are my kind of burgundies. This, is, this was this was a hot year or a warm year? It was a warm year. Yeah, because they're 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 concentrated. Look at the color. I know. Look at the color. Yeah, they're they are. It's yeah. So yeah. So what's this? What's what? What's, what's the, the difference? Yes. Yes. What's the difference? Because it says les dessus. Get closer. Sorry. That's okay. You can no. You can hold it. Just, just get closer to mine. It says <laughs> les dessus clos du Célium. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So les dessus literally says means the top. Okay. So, here, uh, imagine that we are on a, on a slope. Mm -hmm. You have 
the middle part of the slope and the upper part of the slope. Obviously, it looked the same from far away. Mm -hmm. Say, okay, this is red limestone, yeah. perfect soil. And, you know, we, we had been making wine plot by plot for almost 15 years. I mean, starting in our first vintage in 2006. And year after year, we noticed some interesting uh, differences on, uh, on, the, on the soil. I mean, differences on the wine we were making plot mm -hmm. by plot. And in fact, we wanted to, and this is where my scientific background is, is probably um, coming back mm. in the picture. We wanted to understand why things were sure. different from one plot to another. So we worked, you have a fantastic uh, Chilean uh, scientist called Pedro Parra, who work on soils, who uh, helps you understand better your soil and the nature of your soil between limestone and clay and the type of the type of limestone and rocks is it disintegrated or is it still uh, uh, solid uh, uh, limestone or whatever? So he, he has a device to help us screen our clue. Mm -hmm. The clue is is our plot, our big plot. Mm -hmm. So we did the screening. We 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 kind of scan the clue and uh, visualize the fact that uh, the nature of the soil although from the outside looked the same, inside was quite different. So we had that scan. Then we dug into it in different plots to visualize on a two-meter depth, you know, how was the soil, and we understood that the soil had some interesting variations. So every year we harvest the different plots within the clo uh, separately. We vinify it separately. We age it separately, mm. and at the end, we may decide to blend or not to blend. And in fact, le dessus is a small part on the top mm -hmm. that we decide to vinify and bottle separately, and we call it le dessus because it means just, uh, in French, it means the top. And the wine is coming on solid limestone, so you have much less clay. The, the roots are really feeding on the minerals, and not in the, in the on the on, on clay, and it gives an an expression which is a, a, a bit different, as you can know from the tasting. Yeah, and you have a bit more of everything. Yep, it's uh, just it's just like it's just turned up a notch or two. It will, it will take more time. This yep. is a wine which could use more time. Yeah, well, Dilly, I need like four bottles of each of these to lay down in the cellar. <laughs> Seriously, Shadi, on the fold. Now, you talk. Let's let's talk about. <clears throat> it's outstanding. Let's talk about your winemaker because you have this thing where you and you said this even as a leader, as a CEO, you're always grooming people. But you said, I, you know, I you like to learn fast, but you surround yourself with great people. Your winemaker worked at a. It's a, I don't know. It's famous three letter place in Burgundy. Yeah. Um, R R something DRC RCD or yeah yeah something C curd I mean like um yeah what was that like I mean because you said it was so funny you didn't know if he's gonna like your winery but like you he did work at, did some time at DRC correct yeah so so like you like I, you know obviously that's gonna be if it ever happens I don't know but 
that would be like the largest purse acquisition in the history of the world if someone's if they decide to sell DRC. But but like, um, what does it mean to bring you know because we have Cote de Cote de Bone to have that pedigreed winemaker down in the Cote de Chalonnais? You know, th this is um, yes. You need to surround yourself with uh, with great people and with people who have the potential to 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 grow. Also, he, I mean. He, he joined me when he was 28. He had experience in in, uh, mm -hmm. in, in three domains, mm -hmm. in, including Yassi and Lachaud and Mania. He, he learned uh, organic and biodynamic. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, he, he had done in his learning um, in, in three different positions where he was in charge of some specific part of, of the technical uh, way of making wine. And I was looking for someone whom I can uh, make responsible for both the, the winemaking and the vineyards as well because I think it's important when you make great wines to to, to master the full uh, scope of it uh, so obviously I was a s small estate, I mm -hmm. we are a small estate mm -hmm. uh, and uh, this young guy who have done uh, who have been trained uh, with fantastic people in, in great estate mm -hmm. uh, could could take more with with us, and uh, I gradually g gave him more responsibilities. So at least he could he could master the full uh, the full thing with me. And so I'm I'm becoming I became his assistant mm -hmm. <laughs> in a way, and um, and um, he's a bit like my my son. I mean we are partnering uh, extremely well, and I gave him more responsibility, and and um, it just. I mean, again, it's to me, it's like uh, a thing that I've lived through uh, in other experiences. You, you select the right people mm -hmm. with potential, with the right attitude. Is very much into a learning attitude, and and together we, we are we are making some uh, fantastic in in roads. And um, I love his wines. Uh, and if the wines are good today, it's because he did a great job. <laughs> uh, I'm, because I'm merely the assistant mm -hmm. there. And um, and uh, in fact, we are we are in even uh, you know the, the in today's world, people needs to have challenge. So I, I'm I'm just looking for the next challenge with him, and we are together uh, now uh, investing together in a in a project in uh, in Beaujolais in in, in Juliana where we are going to create Juliana Juliana yeah wow we are going to create. Um, an estate which is going to uh, arrive here on the market in a, in a few months. But this will be, a, this is a joint project and mm -hmm. I'm happy that, you know, this young guy is going now to be a partner um, where he will be uh, That's hev fantastic. heavily responsible for, and, and again, uh, he has a stake in something mm -hmm. real, mm -hmm. which, uh, you know, young talented people needs uh, from time to time to, to be to have a vested interest mm -hmm. in something that they create and they co-own, and uh, and I'm glad that um, I'm able to help him on on, on that. Um, why did he select to go to uh, Beaujolais? Just curious. Because this is an area where you can make great wi red wine. Yeah, and and uh, yeah. you know again this is. Uh, this is again about selecting uh, the the, <laughs> the best house. Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> so, so we want together we the want to put Juliana back on uh, yeah on I mean because I mean right now I mean Morgon is pretty big right so now so you know Morgon yeah exactly exact, exactly right right yeah uh, so Moulin yeah. Avant uh, Moulin Avant is still yeah so there was no need for us to go to yeah. Moulin Avant or, or to or to Morgon because yeah. there, there are a number of very talented estate there yeah. and we found a beautiful spot on on Juliana mm. and again same story yeah. I mean, we went with Guillaume <laughs> scouting the area and suddenly we found this slope on which there were two guys eager to sell their plots. Beautiful view facing southeast. Uh, we can see the Mont Blanc from over there, which is 150 miles away. Yeah. Uh, beautiful view, beautiful soil. And, and there were some, some desperating gamay uh, struggling to, to live with chemicals yeah. on that slope. And we say, this is, uh, this is the place where we want to be. And uh, in a way, it was like gang going back 20 years ago when we first found the 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 celium. And the only thing is that the monks were not there. Yeah. <laughs> you have three children? Yes. Uh, how are they involved with the uh, uh, besides um, you, you know, know they have their own life. Yep. They, they they have their own, their own business activities. They 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 love coming and tasting. Mm -hmm. They are, they, are, they, are, they are part of the company, of the small company we, mm -hmm. we put together. But I, you know, if one of them wants to come back and work with Guillaume, um, they know they are welcome. Yeah. And I don't know if they will come. I don't know, because they have, they have their own life. And I don't want to, to force them to, sure. to, to, to say, you know, you, you have a duty. Right. You have to come back <laughs> and yeah. take over from me. Everything uh, I did for you. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, I did that for you guys. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and my and my my my, f my passion with, with with my wife is that when we we have the grandkids without mm -hmm. the kids, yep. and we take them around and we show them the plots and yep. uh, we taste grapes, we chew we chew the the seeds mm -hmm. and uh, they learn about you know acidity and they learn about bitterness, they learn about maturity, and it's um, they they pick up snails during the <laughs> when it rains and and then they. We cook the snails. I was going to say, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. French kids eat snails. Yes, they do, uh, <laughs> as well as frogs. Yeah. Occasionally. Frog uh, yes, yes. Um, teach your children well. So uh, the jewel nas probably, and so also you have, like, so the Pliny, you actually, you have acquired, now do you, are you bu just have a contract for the grapes in Pliny, or do you have a small plot in Pliny? No, we have a plot. Okay. And the same thing, you, you, you're just looking for the best plot. Yeah. So those are small plots. Yes. Uh, well, I know. I mean, Burgundy. <laughs> I mean, I know. Like it, Burgundy but, by. But by we were lucky enough to be able to buy a small plot. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> and uh, to answer your next question, today I cannot afford that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean. Because <laughs> now so you're I'm in the now saving, you're in the wine business. I'm saving in the question. Yeah. I'm saving. Yeah. The now you're in the wine business. <laughs> Before you were like working. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> all right. So a couple things um, as we're we're coming up. Um, I play a game. Um, I have so much respect for you. I'm I'm gonna. It's called FMK, but I'm not going to uh, use all the words because <laughs> I want your grandchildren to follow us. So I'm gonna change it. So I'm gonna give you three grapes. One of them would be your mistress. The other one you're gonna marry, and the other you have to you have to uh, more you have to kill it off. So here's here's your here's your grapes. Um, 
Alagote, yeah. Gamay, and Chardonnay. Which grape are you? Is your mistress? Which one are you marrying? And which one are you? So I married Chardonnay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I married Chardonnay for sure. She's she she's from Bonn, so I yeah. Oh yeah, you did. You yes, you literally did. <laughs> so the second is your mistress, like grape. You're like, you know, I married you, but you know, yeah, I'm French guys. I'm, I'm, I'm having fun. Yeah. Uh, and the third one is Mort. Kill it off. Done. Ah. So, I th I think we are going to have a great adventure with Gamay. Okay. For sure. That's a okay. Uh, that's uh, that the the. the I don't call that a mistress. I think it's the kid I'm going to have with Guillaume. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's I love when people change the rules of the game, but no, I got no, it. It's no, fine. No, no, I mean, it, it's, it's you, you and know, Guillaume's love child. Yeah, got it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, this is going to be our child with yeah, Guillaume. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the gamay stuff. Now, the aligoté, I would not I would not kill it because uh, it's, uh, it's, it's fun. I mean, we have an aligoté from... Um, Planted in uh, 1945. We're gonna uh, taste it. Yeah, in, in no, uh, oh yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, cool, yeah, yeah, cool, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Uh, oh, it's oh, 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 I love Syrah, but yeah. I love Syrah from from, from the Rhone, yeah, I or or from some other place in the world as well. But I would never plant a vine of Syrah either in 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 Beaujolais, where people, I mean, a few a few smart people told me you should try, uh, and um, I don't think Syrah comes well on uh, granite, granite, yeah. which is the soil yeah. of, mm -hmm. of Beaujolais, mm -hmm. and I don't think, and I don't think we need it in in Burgundy because I think the climate kind of warming up and we'll see yeah. how long will it take and but I think Pinot Noir is is having a great time with the warmer weather. Oh yeah, especially I mean in Burgundy, I mean it's in like Burgundy we had you're getting all the structure of of Burgundy with all the fruit from California. It's like it's it's and, and like in the old days when we had colder uh, summer and and Bur uh, Pinot Noir was was not fi finishing the season well. Right. We were struggling. Yep. We were struggling with rot. We were struggling with phenolic maturity, yep. which was not there. Yep. So I, I think the climate change is doing some great things on Pinot Noir. Yeah. As long as you harvest early enough for the maturity. Right. So I kicked the the FMQ. Is yeah. Did I did okay on the? You're, you're fine. It's your answer. <laughs> it's your answer. What I don't know. <laughs> um, so you mentioned you like Syrah. What other what other what are uh, what other regions ha do you enjoy? Like, uh, are are you a right bank or left bank man when it comes to Bordeaux? Um, you know, the, the beauty of wine is that uh, things are so so different. I'm 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 probably a I'm probably a left bank. Oh, and we were getting along so well. <laughs> Not a kid. I'm I'm a right bank. I don't know why. It's Cabernet is like one of these. It's a grape for me that. Um, when I, when I, especially when I, I mean, I don't know. I just love Merlot based wines. I love the Merlot Cab Franc thing. You know, I'm not, not to put down any of the, the I mean, I've had great left bank stuff, but you know, I, I hear you, um, uh, you know, and I'm, a, and I, are you, and are you more a Northern Rhone or Southern Rhone guy? I'm more a no Northern Rhone. So here we go again. I'm a Southern Rhone guy, but I do love, 
I do love a good Syrah. I mean, I, I Rhone is probably my my go to region because I can't afford Burgundy. Thanks for bringing these. Um, <laughs> I mean, these ones are cheap. I know, I know. That's what that's what I'm thinking. I, I, I've been in this for a second. I know. <laughs> I'm so grateful. Um, now, we did talk about this. Um, we talked about uh, you know you grew up with wine and you did grow up with wine and it might have been nine nine tenths water, but like when you finally um, were able to have wine. Was there a bottle of wine for you that kind of blew your mind? Like you're like as as and as an agronomist, like was there a bottle of wine? Like oh, like do you have a memor a, a very memorable bottle of wine? Maybe shared with Catherine, or maybe you know probably with Catherine. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you mentioned yeah. that. Yeah, um, you know we we um, we were given uh, some great Coton Charlemagne. Mm. Uh, from the year we married, which was 76, was a very, very warm year, dry year. And uh, we had an old man, friend of us, who gave us uh, a beautiful gift with Corton Charlemagne uh, from, uh, from that year, 76. And uh, we drank it, it was in the mid-80s. Uh, we didn't open his gift for... for for a few years, and uh, and we drank that wine, and the guy had passed away, and mm. uh, his name was uh, Pierre Dubreuil, and he was a vigneron in Pernod Vergeles, and uh, mm -hmm. that was a great memory because again, it was a combination of a very special year, mm -hmm. dry year, warm year, uh, the year of our wedding, mm -hmm. and the and the wine made by by that man who was a mentor to me uh, in 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 Burgundy. So uh, it was. You know, the guy was a simple guy, great appellation, very difficult year because in '76 the wine were, were tough. But mm. but uh, again, the wine was uh, was just fabulous. But maybe it was fabulous for for the reason of that man and for the reason of that year. But that's the whole thing with wine. It is. It's more than it. It is obviously you want something great in a glass, but it's more than it's. It's. It goes to what you said. It's the spirit around the whole experience. And even if. You don't know much about the grower or the year or the or the wine. It's also the great thing about wine is is the sharing. I mean, uh, yep. you can get a great great memory of a wine because you shared it with very special people in a special occasion, mm. uh, which is uh, which <laughs> didn't necessarily happen for him here today. It happened for me, but <laughs> I digress. <laughs> oh, one more last question before you leave. Um, what are you most excited about for the future? For me, the most exciting thing is, in, in a way, what uh, and how we are able to influence a bit the next generation. Uh, you know, oh, I'm, I love what I'm doing, and, 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 and I, my, my, concern or my worry or my kind of secret objective is how I'm going to be able to help the, not my children because the job is done or, or, yep. or not done, but yep. I can't do my yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, But I'm, I'm thinking Part about of the job is done. Part <laughs> of the job is never done. Yeah, it's never done, but, yeah. no, yeah, but anyway, uh, <laughs> most of the job is done. Uh, but how as a grandpa, yeah. a young grandpa, Yep. Uh, hoping that I can age a bit. Yeah. Uh, how can I inspire them 
to be a better citizen in, in, in the next world that we are going to leave them. And I'm a bit worried, I mean, with what's happening on many fronts. Yeah. And I, and I care about that. And sometimes I'm sitting with them by, uh, by the fire, fireplace or, or at sundown, and we, we try to strategize about uh, tomorrow's world with them. And uh, these, I mean, 10 years, 10 years old kids are, are smart. They think, they care, they worry. And, uh, and uh, yeah, how can I help them to be, to be better guys when, when they are in charge? of the world or, or of that part of the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm reading about Michelle Obama. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Philippe, thank you so much for coming in. I really appreciate you taking the time to come here and share your story and talk with me, share your wines with me. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you, how they can be a part of what you're doing. Uh, where Your website, where they can find your domain. To so... The domain is uh, cellieromoine.com. Yeah. And I will put this in. It. I, I can't pronounce it, but it at, will be in the show at notes. Cellieromoine. Yeah. On Instagram. And, um, and we, you know, we have a great restaurant and wine merchant in the U.S. following us and helping us to put uh, Cellieromoine. Is that Misa? Misa in, okay. in Dallas. And uh, many good friends in the restaurant and they and wine merchant, and um, and we are a little bit li like the new kids on the block, although we were created around 1130. <laughs> <laughs> 12th century. Cheers. Awesome. Until the next time, cheers to the Mavericks, philosophers, deep thinkers, and all you wine drinkers. It's your boy, MJ. Peace. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned something. You had some fun while you were here. Please subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to. And if you want to be an insider and get special content, make sure you go over to blackwineguy.com and get on our email list. <laughs>